0: Our uh, second scripture lesson this morning comes from the book of Matthew. Oh, I heard a giggle. We've been doing Matthew, so the lectionary has been reading, leading us through Matthew, and I've just tried to emphasize it, that we were trying to learn together to read this book. So uh, this is Matthew chapter 22, verses 34 through 46. Hear now the word of our Lord. When the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, They gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked Jesus a question to test him. Rabbi, which commandment in the law is the greatest? He said to them, well, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang the entirety of the law and the prophets. Now, while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them this question What do you think of the Messiah? Whose son is he? And they said to him, Well, the son of David. Well, then Jesus said to them, How is it then that David, by the Spirit, calls him Lord, saying, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. If David thus calls him Lord, how can he be his son? Well, no one was able to give him an answer. Nor from that day did anyone dare to ask him any more questions. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So I I could have easily, I think, um, chosen as a reading, special reading this morning, to read from uh, the beloved Muhammad's last sermon, if you've not been familiar with it. Actually, it says something to the effect of what I'm going to say today, which is that if your religion does not teach you to treat every other human being as people who are equal and valued to be loved, then it doesn't matter. Because that's what all of this is about. Have you ever been to Cracker Barrels? anybody ever been to Cracker Barrel? So they're quite famous where I come from. <laughs> One key feature of Cracker Barrels is this collection of tools that hang on the walls. Anybody seen them? They're mostly tools that are of little or no use to us today, except maybe they work as good wall decor and create this country vibe, you know. Well, my dad had a barbecue restaurant, it was called The Barn, and it too had walls that were decorated um, with all of these unused, old, hard to identify tools. And Dad would often start a conversation with random customers by asking them if they could guess what a particular tool was used for. Well, we all got a big laugh one day when he explained how this cast iron tool was, uh, looked like it must have been used to hang your wet shoes after a rain. Well, we all got a big laugh and, and we knew that he had no idea what he was talking about. And see, for my dad, he thought that if it was important enough to hang on the wall or set on a shelf, then it needed a purpose. And tools are not properly called art, so tools needed to have a a purpose. So even a purpose if my dad had to make one up. So we took this tool off of the shelf and then we argued with him and we twisted it and we turned it and we debated all the different reasons and what markings it had and what shape it had. And Later we heard from a customer who responded to my dad, No, that thing is actually called a last. It was a very common tool used by shoemakers. Anybody ever seen one? Unlike a conventional work of art, see, a tool isn't created as an end in and of itself. It may be very artistic. It may have had a lot of thought and skill put into making it. But its purpose is to allow you to do something else. That's what makes it a tool. To be a tool, see, it has to have a function, a purpose, even if we have to make one up. So the tools that we use are very important because they help us achieve a goal. If we get uh, really good at using them, then we can almost forget that they're there. They become what the philosopher of science Michael Paul Andy wrote, they, they become like a second part of us. He says that if we shift our focus from the tool, which is called focal awareness, to the task that we're using the tool to perform, that's called subsidiary awareness, then the tool actually functions as a part of our body. Like a good carpenter who picks up a hammer, they usually don't give much thought to the weight or the, how it feels in our hand. All of our focus is instead placing the nail in the right spot and driving it in, right? That's where we focus our attention. If we start to focus our attention instead of on the nail and on the hammer, well... Yeah. So if you ever see someone who puts too much thought into the hammer, you probably want to put your hands in your pocket. It wouldn't be good to lose a fingernail or even a finger, right? So revered tools without a purpose if we're lucky they might become art but if we even if we do know what the purpose of the tool is if we misplace our focus then the tool can either become frustrating like focusing on the keys of the piano instead of listening to the piece as you play it or they can become dangerous like a tool to the like a hammer to the finger So in today's reading, Jesus continues to be interrogated by the religious elites, as we have been witnessing over the last several weeks. And thus far, Jesus has silenced the Herodians and the Sadducees. See, their tactic here, the lawyers' tactic, as they've gathered together, is to get Jesus to misplace his focus. They're trying to put his skills to the test. They want to see if Jesus is incompetent if he maybe doesn't have a significant, a good enough understanding of the Torah. It's like they're trying to get him to prove his carpentry skills by watching him use the hammer. Swing that hammer, Jesus. Show us that what you're really made of. Do you understand how this Torah works or not? But like each of the previous situations, Jesus responds to their question by challenging them with the entire foundation of their program. In other words, I think Jesus saw their use of the Torah like one of those cracker barrel decorations. We might hang it on the wall. We might gawk at it, twist it, and turn it, and argue about it. But we have no idea why it exists. It's like a tool that's lost its purpose. They challenged Jesus' ability to use the Torah, but Jesus responded by showing them that they didn't even know what the Torah was used for. See, Jesus... When was asked what's the greatest commandment, he didn't get into a I-know-the-Torah-better-than-you dueling match. Jesus explained that the entirety of scriptures on which their religion was based was about nothing more than learning to love. To love God and to love your neighbor. Love, period. Of course, Jesus wasn't saying anything new. He was simply restating an ancient Hebrew wisdom. At one point, Jesus even paraphrased the version of what the rabbi Hillel, the elder, had said a generation before him. Was that treating each other with love, Hillel said, was the whole of the Torah, and you probably know this next phrase, the rest is commentary. The rest is commentary. And then he said, so go and study it. Treat each other with law because that's what the whole Torah is about and the rest is commentary, so go and study it, he said. In other words, the purpose of the Torah was to teach us to love each other, which is why it's so important that we actually take our religion seriously and study it and wrestle with it and debate it. Not so that we can one-up each other on our understanding, but because through it we learn how to be human together. If you want to become an expert carpenter and build the finest houses, well, you best bit get good at using a hammer, right? But if we want to become excellent human beings, if we want to really learn to love each other, if we want to be a part of building this beloved community together, then we best get good at studying the Torah and the teachings of Jesus. You probably knew, you might not have known, but today is Reformation Sunday. It's a special Reformation Sunday. Did anybody know that? Today, we're celebrating the 500th anniversary of the Reformation. On October the 31st, back in 1517, 500 years ago, an outspoken Augustinian monk named Martin Luther decided to be a troublemaker and posted a list of 95 objections to the dominant Roman Catholic beliefs and practices of his time. Was he saying Roman Catholicism is idolatry? No. What was he doing? Well, I think that he was doing something very similar to what Jesus was doing, which was trying to point out that through all these things that we're doing, we may have forgotten the tool has a purpose. We have maybe have focused more on the tool than we did on what the tool was supposed to be about. It's not, see, that we lose our skills and no longer know how to use our tools. Rather, it's that we forget what they're even there for. On this Reformation Sunday, I want to remind you of something. See, God did not create human beings so that we could all become Christian. God did not create human beings so that we all could become Christian. God and Jesus offered us the gospel so that we could learn what it means to be fully human together, so that we could find a way to learn together what it means to love each other. So here's my prayer this morning May we not just learn to be good Christians. Faithful followers of Jesus and all that. But may we be reminded that the entire purpose of us getting together, our songs, our scriptures, our studies, all of it is about us learning to be fully human together. The rest is commentary. May we learn to really love each other and to give ourselves to studying this faith of ours so that we can be a part of something fantastic, so that we can be a part of building God's beloved community together. May we go and learn love, period. For on this hangs everything else. Amen.